Chapter Thirteen of Recollections of Bush Life in Australia by Henry William Haygarth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The Overlanders. Among the most remarkable characters to be met with in Australia are the Overlanders, men who make long expeditions from one part of the country to another with stock, either for the purpose of seeking a good market or of forming new stations in a land of greater promise than that which they had originally occupied. The toils they undergo, the perils they must surmount, the enterprising nature of their plans, while they cause the less energetic colonists to quail before them, have at the same time an air of wild adventure, which throws a powerful charm over the occupation of the overlanders. Theirs is, in fact, the romance of pastoral speculation, the poetry of life in the bush individuals of classes and characters the most widely different are to be found among them some are men of good birth and education others as rude as their own stockmen whatever be their qualifications in other respects they must all in common be possessed of a tolerably large capital a good knowledge of stock considerable bodily strength and above all coolness and determination with ready wit to assist them in moments of emergency the expense of driving a large quantity of stock overland being considerably less in proportion than that required for a small number it is only extensive stock owners who can embark with advantage in this kind of speculation the overlander starts with property which must necessarily be of great value in his charge consisting perhaps of six or seven thousand sheep a thousand head of horned cattle and eighty or a hundred horses besides drays pack bullocks and other minor appurtenances with these he has to penetrate a country he has never traversed before to a distance of perhaps a thousand miles he must run many serious risks such as drought the loss of his property from fatigue the disaffection or desertion of his men in regions where no more are procurable and he must be prepared to sustain the sudden and troublesome though desultory attacks of the hostile tribes of blacks through whose country he must unavoidably pass above all he must run the risk of a fall in prices ere he can reach the distant market to which he is wending his way with the greatest part perhaps the whole of his worldly wealth but having once cast the die he must stand its hazard and he cares little for the difficulties and dangers of the road well knowing that at its conclusion should he meet with tolerable success he may double his capital in the course of a few months if a life of this kind is beset with uncertainty and hardship it has on the other hand many attractions and i never met with an overlander who did not look back upon his long expeditions with pride and pleasure even when the result in point of profit had fallen short of his expectations at first starting the utmost care and vigilance are necessary to control both by day and night the numerous flocks and herds ever seeking for an opportunity to escape but after they have been on the road a week or two they become much more docile and their owner soon finds leisure to vary the tedious length of the journey by a little hunting or shooting or what is still more interesting by exploring the country through which he is passing the ever-varying scenery too through which the line of march leads him tends greatly to lighten the monotony of the way sometimes the route takes him through a huge mass of forest then across some pretty park-like plains 
now he must toil over arid and stony ridges scorched with drought or again he may forget his toils as he follows the windings of some deep flowing stream which rolls its waters towards the place of his destination should it however be necessary to cross it with horses or horned cattle a very animated and remarkable scene ensues shortly before the party arrives at the river's bank a horseman gallops ahead to reconnoitre the ford and the nature of the ground on either side and as soon as he has satisfied himself on these points rejoins his party who are by this time not more than a quarter of a mile off awaiting his return every man now tightens his girths settles himself firmly in his saddle and examines the lash of his stock-whip in readiness for the approaching struggle the fear is lest the first attempt should fail for if it does the animals are apt to be seized with a general panic and refuse to go near the water in spite of every exertion so that a delay of several days and even weeks may be the result when therefore they are within some three hundred yards of the crossing place the herd which has latterly been suffered to travel lazily along is roused into sudden action by the united efforts of the drivers the foremost animals being stimulated by shouts and screams while the hindmost are well belabored with the lash they are now within sight of the water and the leaders would certainly stop short if they could but it is then too late the shouts of the men are redoubled the whole herd is by this time at top speed there is a kitter at e window in they must plunge the hindmost glad to escape the discipline of the whip rush in pell-mell upon the rest and force them on for a few minutes the broad stream shows the unwanted sight of innumerable vast heads and horns just peering above its surface and the opposite bank is gained in short as an old overlander once remarked to me keep the leader's head straight and the hindmost well up the hull must go over they can't help it but woe betide the luckless animal whether horse or bullock which leaving its companions starts back affrighted on the bank and scours over the plains in an instant he is detected and a horseman whip in hand is alongside him let him go where he will his pursuer follows as closely as his shadow a crowd of dogs are at his heels until he is glad to turn and spring into the water convinced that the land at least on the wrong side of the river is too hot to hold him it is difficult to conceive the astonishment the sort of supernatural terror with which a tribe of blacks as yet perhaps ignorant of the white man's existence must regard from some adjacent range or scrub the whole process of these proceedings their fear at the first sight of a horse and his rider has always been intense as they usually mistake the two for one animal in their eyes it appears a species of a centaur and then to encounter suddenly some dozen of these monsters shouting and galloping over their hitherto undisturbed region must strike them with a degree of alarm which no language can exaggerate many of the rivers mountains remarkable spots and tracts of the country have been named by the overlanders and though the local government sometimes disapproves of these titles and orders them to be subsequently changed yet they are frequently retained from the force of early habit hence from his choice of names it is easy to conjecture the country to which the first explorer of a district has belonged some of the native names are very pretty and their meaning is often poetical 
others again are equally cacophonous in general the plurality of o's is remarkable of those that i recollect many such as bungonia Taralaga, teralga omyo Ilawara, wolumla and marulan were sufficiently euphonious on the other hand there are numberless such queer-sounding ones such as wolumulu wolungong jimmy kumbin wologumorang sukunboka wogwog and bongbong the latter a place about a hundred miles from sydney which to the march of civilization we will not call it improvement has changed into bungbung upon the whole it appears far better taste to adopt the native names wherever they exist it is wearisome to hear of windsor richmond and other such familiar nominations at the antipodes and perhaps not a little tantalizing when they are given to places which as the new york coachman is said to have remarked of new york could only be recognized by being so totally unlike their namesakes in england as for such names as jerry's plains patrick's plains patty's river and many others not more dignified it seems a cruelty to inflict them on a new country in after times when the sydney papers teem with fashionable movements how will it sound that mr so-and-so has arrived from his seat at gammon plains who will ever believe in the existence of such a place how could such a property be offered for sale what newcomer to the colony well primed with cautions against credulity and the tricks of auctioneers would undertake a journey to look at it he might as well he will think put to sea in search of the famous cape flyaway of hoaxing mariners such names in short should be dropped at once and others substituted more credible to the taste of the inventors and better suited to the future prospects of the country the enterprising spirits of the overlander is not only profitable to himself but it is also indirectly beneficial to the colony at large by transporting stock from a part of the country where its rapid increase has grievously thinned the pastures and produced a ruinous deterioration in its value to another where the supply is still insufficient he promotes the advantage of the public not less than his own he is also in many cases the pioneer of civilization through his means many a fine tract of unoccupied land the existence of which had been previously unknown starts into newness of life bringing wealth to some and occupation to many more he is moreover a striking example of the aptitude of the anglo-saxon for the task of colonizing and developing the resources of a new country let its nature and capabilities demand in its colonists what qualifications they will immediately a race of men starts up both willing and able to supply the demand wherever it may be and however little in accordance with their previous habits some will fail no doubt but many succeed and by their success become the originators of an occupation or branch of business which thenceforth is peculiarly their own visible as are the effects in all places of industry and economy on one hand and of idleness and mismanagement on the other perhaps nowhere is the contrast so striking as in a new country it is difficult to overstate the degree of success which may attend the man who full of energy and hope admits no evil to be incurable till he has tried to cure it or the degree of discomfort which may be accumulated about the dwelling of one who folds his arms in indolent despair and trusts to some unknown agency 
to which he gives the vague name of better times to bring about that which might quickly be effected by his own exertions about twenty miles from us dwelt two men of that class usually known as small settlers neither was superior to the other in point of natural talent or education both had begun with a small capital both were married and resided on their stations the means of both were alike yet nothing more different could be imagined than the results obtained the first occupied a fine open creek skirted with forest which jutting out here and there formed several sequestered nooks in one of which combining the usual requisites of wood and water he had erected his improvements the whole of them neatly constructed and kept in excellent repair two large stacks of wheat and another of hay stood in an adjacent yard and the sound of the flail might be heard until a late hour every day it was a dairy station too and sixty or seventy fine cows were milked at sunrise every morning and brought home from the pastures in the evening to suckle their calves the dairy itself was a pattern of cleanliness and good order and several sleek porkers in a sty close at hand gave evident proofs that the skimmed milk had not been wasted there was an excellent kitchen garden strongly fenced in and containing nearly all kinds of vegetables used in england and poultry swarmed at every turn and corner at sunset a small but well-conditioned drove of horses came home of their own accord from their distant pasture grounds to pick up anything that might be given them and attracted principally to the rock salt which was strewed about the place to encourage these visits as they are so fond of it they will continue to lick it for hours together it was a pleasure to witness the regularity and well-ordered routine with which everything about the station was carried on nor was the internal economy less credible to the mistress of the mansion the four rooms of which it was composed were all clean and comfortable in the one that served for dining-room and kitchen the ceiling was hung with divers articles indicative of good housekeeping prime joints of dried beef and flitches of bacon interspersed with pumpkins and melons and cobs of indian corn the furniture though rude was well arranged and the dresser made of colonial pine was as clean and white as snow the family consisted of three or four girls neatly dressed and looking happy the eldest was busily employed in making wheat straw hats which we were informed were so much prized in the neighborhood that the demand far exceeded the supply while several well-thumbed spelling and copy-books on an adjacent shelf showed that the youngest were making the best of their time the whole economy of the station in its daily routine resembled that of a prosperous farm in england we must now turn to the contrast a ride of a few miles only to the other end of the creek brings us to a very different scene here too the side of the station is pretty but the stock having been carelessly allowed to graze too near the place the herbage around is scanty giving it a faded and untidy appearance the owner is a thin anxious-looking man with a restless eye and manner he is evidently aware of the unpromising aspect of his farm but is unwilling to take the least part of the blame to himself and lays it all on some other cause chiefly the ways of the country his own ill-luck and the badness of the times the buildings are awkwardly patched and repaired in all directions apparently at the cost of more labor than would have been required to restore them completely 
the bark is falling off the roof of the house in several places and is replaced by unseemly pieces of dry hide which are kept down by large stones they are going to get new bark when the blacks come to strip it the cattle have strayed away in great numbers and are to be found on everybody's ground but their owners while his saddle horses are all knocked up with hunting them it was then too late in the season to muster and when spring came he'd make some of them come back faster than they went away that he would the wheat paddock is filled with stray stock of all kinds which never go in and out by the same gap grain would be low next year and it would be cheaper to buy than to cultivate there are plenty of pigs on the station but they run two or three miles off and are seen on an average not oftener than once a month however they do better at large in a warm country than when pent up in a sty butter there is none in a country where there are no navigable rivers it don't pay at that distance from market two cows are kept for milk or rather only one for the other is being broken in and seldom comes home until she is fetched with horse and whip at her heels and when she is in the yard no living soul could milk her but cows he remarks are like working oxen he liked them to be rather wild at first they always turned out best in the long run quiet ones are apt to grow sulky towards evening the report of a stock whip is heard in the distance and presently the hopeful son and heir appears in sight a well-looking and spirited youth but utterly neglected and wild as the horses he has been hunting of his day's sport he gives a graphic account in his own desolatory style how he has been out all day not on his own business but because he had been bent upon running down a certain black mare the property of a neighbor which had hitherto defied all pursuit and was known from a lagoon near which she was usually found by the title of the lady of the lake how they had started in chase of this intractable lady determined to drive her into the enclosures at all risks how they had got on her track had found her in the ranges had run her breast high till she was forced to betake herself to the open country how they had stuck to her for several hours until at last they had brought her in more dead than alive to the enclosures when she was not to be liberated until she and the saddle had become well acquainted with each other he winds up his discourse with an emphatic panegyric upon the horse he is riding declaring that he improves in his galloping after the first four or five miles and defying the colony to produce his equal the fond parent listens to this eventful story with intense interest and at its conclusion expresses his entire approbation of the whole proceedings as his son turns away he gazes after him with irrepressible satisfaction he was no scholar he says but for all that he knew what a clock it was and for cracking a stock-whip or sitting a buck-jumper he'd back him against any member of the legislative council whether some of this energy would not have been better employed in improving the aspect of affairs at home never seemed to enter the heads of either father or son as might be expected the domestic arrangements are not superior to the external in australia where the necessaries of life are now so cheap want is out of the question but waste and negligence will produce an imitation of many of the evils of want books there are none and a hot argument between father and son as to whether centipede was spelt with an x proves that the disputants are indeed no scholars 
what a widely different account these two men precisely similar in means and station would give of the bush one is living in greater comfort than he had previously known and continues to increase it year after year the other meanwhile becomes daily more unsettled while his energies grow rusty for want of play and poverty gradually overtakes him as he neglects the present and rests his hopes on better times exactly the same observations apply to settlers of the higher class among these it is not uncommon to meet one who is always at fault for some necessary article who has apparently expunged the word comfort from his vocabulary since he left the mother country and seems to care for nothing but how he may just rub on from one wool season to another his example spreads an enervating influence over all around him and the unsettled appearance of such a station bespeaks the character of its owner but how different is the picture of a well-managed establishment honor about it nearly every necessary tradesman is to be found attracted thither by the energy of their employer there is a tailor shoemaker blacksmith and carpenter the stockkeepers are all butchers and the cook or hut keeper must have a tolerable insight into the mysteries of baking the owner's private store contains the groceries and haberdashery and his medicine chest is the apothecary's shop besides these there are various other articles of minor importance manufactured on the station and upon the whole many a rising inland township is far worse provided with the conveniences of life lastly in some sequestered nook hidden from view by clustering evergreens lies the burial ground of the far settler such a spot unconsecrated though it may be has of itself an air of calm solemnity which commands respect even from the rudest denizens of the bush ours i remember had five or six tenants nearly all of whom had met with a violent death for in the fine climate of australia little is to be feared from disease its first occupant had been speared by the blacks ere they had learned to fear the superior power of the firelock another must have died in great suffering having mistaken corrosive sublimate for epsom salts a third had been killed by a fall from a horse its latest tenant an irish immigrant had met with his death under very painful circumstances he was one of two fellow villagers who had left their native country in the same ship and reached australia with their wives and families they were both steady and industrious had surmounted their worst hardships and were beginning to save money and to rejoice in their dawning prosperity but this happiness was not to last some trifling quarrel arose between them as they were shepherding together the eternal shillelagh was at hand and a single blow sent one of the immigrants to the convict's chain and the other to his last home in the land which they had sought and learned to love together a remarkable instance of the strange losses to which the stock owner in the interior of australia is liable occurred in our neighborhood the case was unique and it was one that could neither have been anticipated nor prevented at a few miles distance from us there was a fine station which had hitherto been very prosperous until one unlucky day two men who were at work upon it died somewhat suddenly near the same spot from this cause rose an idle report which rapidly gained belief that the station was haunted it was useless to remonstrate with the men not one of them would engage to live on it 
and the luckless owner was consequently forced to pull down the whole of his buildings at a great loss and erect them again in another place that was voted more canny i have written thus far without having once touched upon what i have always thought one of the most remarkable sights and the most gratifying which australia can boast the reformed convict the man who having been rejected by the place of his birth and of his early crime has paid the penalty has passed the period of his disgrace and has returned to a better life in another land that the majority or even a large number of offenders thus sentenced reform i will not undertake to affirm that many do few travellers in australia will deny whether the criminal's repentance is in each case the result of that thorough spiritual conversion which the christian would desire to see might be hard to decide it may be or it may not but it is a small matter that the outward behavior of the penitent is decent and his habits regular that the vices of his youth are discontinued his old intimacies dropped and his thoughts and wishes taught to flow in a new channel here at least the foundation is laid for a true and complete conversion if more be needed how easily might a zealous clergyman or a kind and pious master drop the good seed and how readily it would spring up in ground so well prepared when the eye opens on such a boundless field of usefulness lighted up and cheered by such bright rays of hope it is impossible not to wish to see greater exertions made australia has indeed dark shadows as well as bright lights few countries can show such fearful pictures of utter depravity of self-consuming vice which yields obedience to no law but that of physical force but in no case should we despair in general sudden conversions are the result only of unexpected and appalling circumstances in ordinary cases men must be civilized before they can be christianized misery must be expelled from the sinner's abode before religion can be introduced and hence it is that in australia where worldly success is so immediately and so visibly the result of any reform in conduct and where want is scarcely known the missionary of reformation may expect a degree of success beyond what the greatest zeal and ability could obtain for the preacher who labors among the vicious part of our poorer population at home End of chapter 11